You're listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. We want everyone everywhere to have an everyday relationship with Jesus, and we hope that this helps you do just that. Welcome, citizens of South Carolina, to uh, the last week of our Citizen Series. Uh, my name is Meredith Knox. I get to be on our teaching team. We have a team of teachers here. We believe in doing things in team, and I just get to round, round this series off for us as we reflect on what it is to be not citizens of this place, Earth, South Carolina, Pelzer, wherever, but ultimately our citizenship lies elsewhere. We are citizens of heaven. We are meant to live, breathe, function our whole lives centered around the reality that I ain't from around here. You know what I mean? My citizenship lies beyond here. And we've looked at that, how our other citizenship, our citizenship in heaven is supposed to affect our identity, how we see ourselves, how we see other people. We've seen how our citizenship in heaven is supposed to affect how we live inside of our marriages, how we look at suffering, how we navigate politics. Hello? And how we pray. Did anybody, was anybody just blessed by Lee's message last week? My goodness, just bless me so much. Uh, why don't you just, hey, if you remember it, sing it with me one more time. Praise him. Come on. Praise him. Praise him in the morning. Praise him in the noon. He says day, I say time because I grew up Pentecostal. Praise him. Praise him, praise him till the sun goes down. Yeah, you know, it's just like I can feel the symbols coming in behind me. But we're invited as citizens to rhythmic prayer, morning, noon, and night. I know some of you aren't very good at rhythm. I lead worship as well. One day you'll be able to clap on beat but we can pray with the beat of heaven, amen? We can get on rhythm with God. By the Spirit's help, you can have rhythm, amen? Amen. Okay, so this week, I get to wrap us up um, by something quite, quite beautiful. But to just kind of get our minds thinking in the right direction, I wanna start today with a question, and it is this. What are the most beautiful things about your home? Think about it. What are the most beautiful things about your home? And by that, I mean your original citizenship, your, your OG citizenship, if you will. Uh, some of you are originally from South Carolina. Bless, I'm from the um, better Carolina in North Carolina. No offense. I'm a South Carolinian now, but I love North Carolina. And I just wanted, if you will allow me, I just want to, one thing I love is when people share what they love about their home because it makes me just be like, well, should we go? Because like they start talking about the food, they start talking about the sights, they start talking about their family, and I'm like, well, I want to go, I want to see it. So if you have not yet been to the Outer Banks of North Carolina, the blessed place of the Lord, I want to just show you some things that I think are beautiful about my home. This is picture number one. Those are my parents. Aren't they cute? No, that's not my sister, but she does have some kind of angel fairy dust that keeps her eternally youthful. Um, and this is before skincare routines. She's been using Dove her whole life. So pay your hundreds. Mom has favor. So these are my parents, but they're also like just quintessential coastal people. Like notice the flip-flops, the life is good t-shirt. You know what I mean? Somebody in Myrtle Beach understands this, the Ocracoke Island t-shirt. Like they are just 
beautiful coastal people, and I love them so much. The, the next photo I wanted to show you, the beauty of my home. Life is better at the beach. Some of y'all, listen, I grew up, my entire high school bedroom was like, looked like the ocean had thrown up in there. It was like, home is where the beach is. I had like a dolphin crossing sign. Yeah. Cute. But I put this up because if you live near the coast, it's not just a place you live, it's a way of life. Marks everything you do. I still have an Outer Banks sticker on my car as we speak. And then the third photo, maybe my, my favorite one. Oh, don't you wish you had a meal this big? This is like, I just want to take this fry and just, this is fresh mahi. So the, the um, ocean's like right here. It was caught there, filleted, black and seasoning, and then placed in front of me in beautiful, delicious glimpses of glory. Amen? If you don't like seafood, I will pray today for an impartation of the spirit that you would love seafood. This is the beauty of my home, a unique people, a unique way of life, and unique flavors. But what I love is all of us, no matter what just came to mind, wherever you are from, we tend to bring the beauty of home with us. Don't we like, if you're not from around here, you brought pieces of home with you. So I wanted to show you an example of some of that too. This picture is my, whoa, that's not how that's supposed to look. Can we zoom out? Nice. Hey, some things get a little too clean in here and y'all are like, this zaps you out of, these are real people doing real, this is not a performance. Thank you. All right. This is my friend. This is Erica. She's over there. Hey, love you. She just got married uh, a couple weeks ago and these are traditional Korean wedding dresses called, Erica, just shake your head yes if I say this even closer, right? Hanbo. Hanbok. Google is such a liar. Hanbok. Okay. Hanbok. Um, and what's beautiful about this is Erica's mom is Korean and brought this beauty of home with her. The traditional Korean dress, the bride, where doesn't Erica look beautiful? Look at her, just shining with love and beauty. She loves this so much. But this is a, the bride would wear more um, like the brighter colors to be the one like, it's my wedding day. I'm on, uh, and the uh, matrons would wear more the muted colors to let the bride shine. And listen, I love our white wedding dresses, but they do not give the way this is giving. This is beautiful. I'm so thankful that um, the beauty of their Korean home was brought here. A unique people. The next one, this will be beautiful to some and hideous to others. But I want to bring this up because, again, if you're from Clemson, if you grew up a Clemson fan, it's a way of life. It marks your speech, one, two, three, four. It marks your budget. It marks, apparently, your dining room furniture. Um, and listen, if you look at this, you're like, that's hideous. Okay, fill it with a different red and black or a different red and black or a different red and black. And you'd be like, that's beautiful. But whatever fan, wherever you grew up, like, it marks everything you do. Okay, next one, because some people are triggered. This, this, this is eggplant and tomato Indian curry. 
And I can tell I live in the, live in the deep, deep south because not enough people said amen. This right here. So the first time I ever had Indian food was in England, which is so, you know, not the place that you would think that you would have it. But my friend, Raisa, she uh, married a British bloke, didn't she? And um, brought the beautiful flavors of her home to England where I could partake and my eyes could be opened. And I'm not just talking about curry. I'm talking about chapati. I'm talking about non bread. I'm talking about the beautiful flavors of Indian home. And I'm so thankful she brought the beauty of her home with her so that I could be changed. Because let me tell you, I was. Why do I show all these pictures? Why do I talk about this? Because I want us to see, church, that as citizens of heaven, we are meant to bring the beauty of our kingdom home wherever we go. We are a unique people. We have a unique way of life. And we have unique flavors that the world is meant to look at and go, wow, that is beautiful. Can I come? Can I experience that? My prayer today is that as we look at what our home is meant to be, that it would almost cause this like pining for home to happen inside of us. This, this, whenever somebody like talks about the beach, I feel this longing in me to go. And my prayer is that as we look forward at what our home is ultimately gonna look like, that this pining for heavenly home would rise inside of us and we would say, I gotta bring that here because I'm desperate for the world to see that my home is the most beautiful place that we could ever be. The past few weeks, we've, we've looked backwards. We've looked at what Daniel would say about being um, an exile, a, a citizen of heaven. We've looked at what Peter would say about being a citizen of heaven. But today, we're going to look forward at Revelation chapter 7 and see this is what home is ultimately going to look like. And we're going to look at, at it when it comes to a unique people a unique way of life and unique flavors. So citizens of heaven, if you're ready, say amen. Amen. All right, number one, and you can go ahead and open your Bibles or your app, take notes. We're gonna talk about the beauty of kingdom people. The beauty of kingdom people. This starts in Revelation 7, 9 through 14. It says this. Matter of fact, before we read, can I just pause and pray? Because we need the Holy Spirit's help to give us a glimpse of home and to long for this more than anywhere else. So let's just pause to pray together. Holy Spirit, even as I read this, as I teach the rest of this message, would you open eyes to see? Would you open ears to hear? Would you stir hearts to long for this place and to be these kind of people? Your kingdom come, your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Okay, let's read these few verses. It says, after these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And the angels stood around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. 
And one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. First things first, some of you, maybe you honed in and you're like, well, who are the four creatures and what is the tribulation? And if you're here and you're like of, you know, depth of theological thought and is like, is this pre-trib or post-trib? And are you pre-millennial, post-millennial? When are the end times? Okay, that is not what we're getting into today. That is a whole nother series. That is a whole nother series of messages. What I want us to see in this passage is the diversity, the victory, and the unity of kingdom people. The diversity, the victory, and the unity of kingdom people. First, just look at the diversity. A great multitude, no one can number, all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. Church, guess what? Diversity does not go away in heaven. The one clap, amen. Diversity does not go away in heaven. There will be a beautiful, multicolored, multi-ethnic, multicultural display, refracted beams of God's glory in the faces, in the tongues, and in the praise of his people. As we become more like Christ, we do not become some homogenous blob of sameness in the kingdom where everybody is meant to look the same, praise the same, think the same, talk the same, but there's a way that we can function on the earth that is actually a display of this final throne moment in heaven. So I just wanna encourage specifically some saints in the house of New Spring, if you have ever felt like you have to fit into some kind of New Spring form in order to belong here, please, oh please, do not do that. We need you and all of your diversity to come in the way God made you so that we can get a glimpse of heaven we wouldn't get if you did not function that way, if you weren't here. Some of you have such beautiful, rich, thick Spanish accents, and sometimes maybe you feel like you have to calm it down or tone it down or not speak in Spanish because, let's be honest, okay, Most of at least the room I'm looking at is a mostly white environment. We have to address it so that we know that we are aware that there may be some people who feel like they have to always put something on in order to belong, but please, oh please, come in your rich, thick Spanish accent, speak in Spanish and display the glory of God in a different way because that's what heaven's gonna look like. You grew up in a church that maybe worshiped a little differently, praised a little louder, dare I say amen in the message. And you feel like, because maybe New Spring rooms are a little quieter, that you're like, maybe you feel the spirit of God overwhelm you in worship and you want to praise, you want to dance, you want to shout. But yet, I don't know. Please let that out so that we get a glimpse of heaven that we wouldn't get otherwise. Even some of you, when I said shout and I did this, you're like, that's not shouting. Yes, it is. And... Never mind, we won't go into that. We'll go into that. Those who know, know. Diversity in all of its beautiful array is what heaven will look like. But listen, it is a purified uniqueness. What I am not saying is, yep, that's right. I don't have to change. I can just come as I am. No, sanctification is a thing. We are formed. He purifies our character and somehow preserves our uniqueness. And that is beautiful. 
And in diversity, you know what else we're going to be standing in? Victory in Jesus. That's what the palm branches represent. When they're standing with palm branches and there is one song in their mouth, it is a representation of victory. God has won and I get to be a part of it. And for citizens now, my gosh, I'm not trying to come to you harshly, but I want to come directly that if most of our speech is cynicism and hopelessness, then we have forgotten where we are from. Some of us have have been following Jesus for years and you have experienced pain and you have experienced disappointment and you have experienced church hurt. And I want you to hear me. It is okay to carry that. It is okay to recognize the injustice. But citizens of heaven know that I can carry grief and joy in the same body and in the same breath because I'm headed towards a reality that Revelation 21 says he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. We weep now, but we do not weep like those without hope. And I just want to, especially some saints who've been walking with God for a while, please, please do not damper the passion of a younger generation because you have experienced some pain. Speak hope into the, Do not give the, just wait and see. I used to feel that way. I used to think that way. My prayer is actually that you would see the youthful zeal of people at your campus and it would cause youthful zeal to rise up in you again to know we are headed toward perfect, purified, holy victory. We need to speak like it. It is not a sign of spiritual maturity to always speak in cynicism. Speak in hope. But not only that, see the unity They got one song in their mouth, one posture in their hearts, and one wardrobe. The same fit, and it's righteousness. Church, we can and we should have a diversity of backgrounds. We can and we should have a diversity of opinions. We can and we should have a diversity of cultures and of ways of worship. But by God's grace and God's power, we will have unity. And it will be centered on love. I'm inviting this church, this is why one of our values as a church, not because we thought of it and it looks good on a wall and we wanted to put it on, I don't know, I was about to say brochure. Do people even do those anymore? Whatever, it's not a branding, it's an aspect of our home that we pursue uncommon unity. Pursue it. If you're looking around you right now and most of your friends, most of your family, most people you talk to look like you, talk like you, vote like you, think like you, dress like you, I don't know, maybe in the lobby today, walk up to somebody who doesn't look like you and just be like, uh, would you like to get coffee? <laughs> it feels so tense in here because you're like, that's awkward. Not when you were a kid. You'd be at the play box like, we just became best friends. Mom, can we have a sleepover? Who is this child and where did they come from? Hey, I'm not, I'm, that's a joke, but it's not that we need to pick up some childlikeness again, look across an aisle when we do that one minute, like, hey, and actually ask the Holy Spirit, is this someone that I'm supposed to form a relationship with? That's why we gather, to see the diversity, to see the victory, and to see the unity and be like, this is how citizens of heaven live. I'm going to live like that now. Can I get an amen from anybody? So this is like the phrase of the series that we've been saying, if we are willing to be different, we will make a difference. Living like I just said is different. And it'll cause the world to look up and be like, where are you from? 
and then we get to reveal our kingdom home together. But number two, it's not just the beauty of kingdom people, it's the beauty of kingdom living. This is a way of life, y'all. Revelation 7, 15 says this, therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. I want you to look at the flow of thought here. Remember how verse 14 ended, that we are before the throne of God only because we have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And I need to say this directly and lovingly this morning, that the access code to the presence of God is only by the blood of Jesus Christ. This verse from Revelation 7 is a prophetic fulfillment of what was spoken all the way in Isaiah 1:18, that though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The blood of Jesus is the access code to the presence of God. The blood of Jesus is the point of entry to our eternal home. And now... Because of the blood of Jesus, now we get access to the presence of God and the difference is now everything we do and everything we say is marked by the presence of God, citizens of heaven. Look what it said. They serve him day and night and he dwells among them. Everybody say dwells, dwells. This word, of course, they serve. First of all, just side note, we will serve in heaven, we will work, we will be active. Just want to be very clear about that, but that's another message for another day. But the word I want us to focus in on is dwells, and that word dwells has a beautiful meaning for us. It is the Greek word originally written skenaun. I know you're all thinking that. And that word skenaun, I learned in study um, that when Jewish people would read it, what would come to their mind was the Hebrew word shekinah. Everybody say shekinah. Nice. Again, if you grew up Pentecostal, that is very familiar uh, coming out of your mouth. But Shekinah is this. It is the visible presence of the glory of God. The visible presence of the glory of God. When verse 15 says that he, this gets me every time, that he will dwell among them. The reality is that what we have glimpsed this side of heaven, we will see in full on the other side. The most beautiful thing about heaven is that God will be there. Thank God that we'll have healing. But let me tell you, there's some people who say, when I got to heaven, I got questions. And I got to tell you, I don't think we will. Because I think we'll just be caught up in the reality that this is what my life was all headed toward. The visible presence of the glory of God. There will be nothing in heaven that we do apart from the presence. Every meal that we eat, every time that we serve, every conversation we have, every moment we rest, every time we go fishing, because I just think that'll be in heaven. It'll be in the reality that God is there and his presence will mark everything we do. So citizens of heaven, now we are meant to live in that reality that's coming. There should be nothing in our lives that is hidden from the presence of God. 
God is not an introvert. He does not need space. He does not need alone time from you. He does not need to spend some time with somebody else so that he can recharge because he can hang out with you, one of his more difficult ones. He is ready and willing to be with us everywhere we go in everything that we, were, we are doing. When we allow him to, that Shekinah is somehow reflected off of us. This is all throughout scripture. Moses got in contact with the visible presence of God and his face literally shone. It was shining with the glory of God. Talk about a skincare routine. You have never had a skincare routine like the presence of God. Let your face glow. Uh, Isaiah got in the presence of God and it caused him to hit his face in worship and repentance came out. Repentance is a beautiful sign that you've been in the presence of God. Peter, James, and John were invited into the presence of Jesus uh, and he was transfigured. The veil of flesh that covered him in his 33 years of life was for a moment removed and Peter, James, and John got to see the full glory on display and it caused them to hit their face in worship and they were different because of it. Church, we are meant to live as if we have encountered the presence of God and now everything we say and everything we do is lived in that ultimate reality. Scripture invites us to this. Look at um, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. It says this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. But not only that, look at Romans 12, 1 through 2. This is out of the message written by Eugene Peterson. It's his kind of um, elaborated commentary on Scripture. But look what it says. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Look at this. Do not become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. We are not meant to reflect the culture of our time more than we are the kingdom of heaven. And my encouragement is, ask God even today for a glimpse of his glory so that you can go through your week reflecting that glory. Everything we say, everything we do is meant to be done, marked by the presence of God. Amen? Amen. And then point number three, we've got kingdom people, we've got kingdom living, and then we've got the beauty of kingdom communion. Y'all thought I was going to say flavors, but communion got its own flavor on it now, because look at this. In Revelation 7, 16 through 17, it says, they shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat, for the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. We will hunger no more. We will thirst no more. 
If you're here and you're like, um, does that mean we ain't going to eat up there? Because that does not sound beautiful to me. And I got to tell you, me neither. Your girl likes to eat. That's not what I'm saying, okay? It's not saying we, just because we don't hunger and thirst that we won't eat. Because look at Revelation 19. This is a meal right here. Revelation 19, 6 through 9, it gives us a picture of this meal. It says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! We just did this in worship. Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This supper, this marriage supper of the Lamb is when God's church, fully purified, fully made new, will join with Jesus who is the Lamb sacrificed for our sin. And we will feast together. And how I think Revelation 9, they will hunger and thirst no more. And how Revelation 19, this feast works together is that this meal, this final marriage supper will not be one that's motivated by starvation, but immense satisfaction. Uh, let me give you an image. You ever come to a meal just starving, hypothetically Mexican food, and you eat 4,000 chips because you're starving? Then your actual meal comes and you're like, I knew I shouldn't have eaten 20 tortillas, which by the way, that's what you ate. They're just cut in triangles and fried. Somebody brought you 20 tortillas. You'd be like, I'm not eating these. Cut them into triangles, fry them up. Apparently they're fine now. But you are so starving that you just, you just feasted on like what was supposed to be the appetizer and then you miss out on the savoring of the meal. What Jesus is trying to get us to see is that because he will be our satisfaction, we will not come in starvation as if we needed to be filled. We will come in immense satisfaction that now we get to sit around the table with Jesus himself. It'll be a meal where we linger a little longer, where we will want to look across the table and revel in the reality of what's happening. We don't want to skip past the moment because time will be no more. There will be nothing to rush to. It'll all be communion, me and you and us with him. This is why communion, the act of communion that we're gonna invite you to in a minute, taking of the Lord's Supper, it is a remembering, but it's also a celebratory looking forward that what I'm tasting and seeing in part right now, I will one day get to see in full. Jesus himself said to his disciples back in Matthew, as he instituted the Lord's Supper, he raised a cup and he said, I will not drink of this again until I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. Even Jesus was looking forward in hopeful expectation to this meal, and it was an incredible motivation. Communion is a beautiful way where we get to taste and see and feel the full dimensions of our salvation. My prayer today that is that we take it, we would, hey, I want to encourage you. If you come forward, if you're a believer and you come forward for communion uh, in a moment or go to one of our stations and maybe you're someone who kind of puts your head down as they put 
the bread and the juice in your hands, I want to encourage you to lock eyes with that person as they say to you, this is the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Jesus poured out for you because something happens as we lock eyes with each other in that moment and it's that we get a glimpse of glory that one day we will do this with no mark of sin, no sting of hatred or division, no loss, no death. Our full communion will finally be revealed. Every time you feel yourself lingering around a dinner table with friends and family and you're like, God, I don't want this to end. That feeling is God revealing heaven to you. This is what we're headed towards. I think about this and I'm just gonna, I feel like I need to encourage somebody in the room who's experienced deep loss. We celebrated my niece's, what would have been her 16th birthday this past weekend. She only lived six hours. Her short life was how I came to know Jesus. But you know what? I believe that one day she and I will sit around this wedding supper. And what felt like loss because it was, will be fully redeemed as we feast together in the presence of Jesus. This is our home. This is what we're headed toward. And this is what we're going to practice together now. So I'm just going to pray for us. And then what I believe is, as a, as a local host comes out to just lead us through response, my prayer is that we would get a glimpse of glory whether it be in communion, whether it be you come forward and ask for prayer from a brother or sister, that you feel like you've been speaking more in cynicism than in hope, whether you need to come to the cross at your campus and receive salvation, because I've been talking about all this stuff and you realize, I want to go there, but I've never received the blood of Jesus as the payment for my sin, then that's today. And as we respond in whatever way we need to, that heaven would just be reflected, the Shekinah would be reflected in this room for, if only for a moment. And we'd be caught up in the reality, one day this will be forever. So I'm gonna pray and then a local host is gonna come out. Father God, thank you, thank you, thank you that through the blood of Jesus, you made a way for us. You said, Jesus, I go to prepare a place for you. It's like, I see you now getting our home ready for that beautiful welcome party, for that final marriage supper of the Lamb where we will all be together. Pray for a pouring out of whatever it is that you want to pour out individually on every person at every campus, whether it's hope, conviction, because there's been hatred and disunity, salvation, and peace. For all of these things are glimpses of our home. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to the New Spring Church podcast. Make sure to visit our website at newspring.cc for more content, including videos, articles, and devotionals to help you have an everyday relationship with Jesus. Or plan a visit to one of our campuses across the state of South Carolina.